Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I am David Robertson, joining you live from the Twin Cities. And as a special treat today, as Dan continues his sojourn across Southeast Asia, I am joined by Mord himself from Buenos Aires. What is up, my friend? Hey, yo. I love how you say Buenos Aires. That's right, isn't it? <laughs> Gave it all this spice. Yeah, it was pretty good. All great, likely. Having a lovely day, just getting started. How about you? Living the dream. Um, you know, I used to speak Spanish pretty well. I uh, went to Puerto Rico often for work and all oh. that. So I know uh, the Puerto Rican Spanish and the Argentinian Spanish is not uh, always the same. But Yeah, particularly Argentinian Spanish just tends to disagree with any other Spanish. <laughs> and then the Puerto Ricans are dropping syllables at the end, so... Yeah, we just write our own words. Like, Spanish people just, you know, it's like Australians and USA. You can communicate, but is it even the same language still? Who is the Australian in this case, though? Ah, uh, like, so it's not like an ex... <laughs> Regarding accents, Puerto Rican have a stronger accent than Argentinians. What we do have is just a stupid amount of nonsensical words for any other. That's interesting. But yeah... Glad to hear you once talk Spanish. Pretty easy to get back if you ever need to. Yeah, maybe we'll have to do a, a Spanish... Uh... <laughs> a Spanish episode. Yeah, exactly. What could go wrong? We just get we just get Fran Polus, which is also Argentinian. Yeah. All Spanish episode for a few Spanish <laughs> listeners. Just me super confused. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, random comments from David, where, ¿Dónde está la biblioteca? Yeah. But Fran, where is la biblioteca? All right, so we promised our lovely folks today after last episode that we were going to tell them the truth about what has been happening for the last week in Pioneer, and also maybe a bit in Modern. Yeah, so the set came out, people finally got their hands on the cards, people are super excited, people seem to really be uh, sort of enthralled with some of the ideas of March of the Machines. We had the first week's results, at least the five O's anyway, that are kind of giving us a uh, direction for where people are going. There's also a huge spoiler leak that we'll briefly discuss. And then we have a uh, a Splinter Twin situation proposed to us <laughs> by someone from our Discord. Exactly. So before we get to all that, of course, we want to just remind people, if you enjoy the podcast, you'd like to support us, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing and join at whatever level you like. The submission today uh, of the deck is actually from the Discord. So that's the kind of uh, feedback you can get. Obviously, these people have been kicking around ideas. I think the the two uh, gentlemen that submitted this actually met on the Discord and have been brewing together. So super cool uh, to bring people together like that. And um, yeah, it's, it's where uh, all roads lead. All roads lead to the Discord. Yes. All right, so the big news of the week is that Almost the entirety of March of the Machines Aftermath was leaked. Um, I think a YouTuber breached <laughs> their agreement. We will let the lawyers sort that out, but I think they just opened their box early and revealed a bunch of cards. Yeah, they just went ahead and did a full open recap. They just went ahead and opened a box on YouTube while saying that this wasn't on purpose or that this video was going to pop. Personally, I really hate what they did. Lot of work by a lot of people getting ruined by this, or at least losing a bit of value. But after it has been done, there's nothing we can do but discuss it. So, yeah, so I mean, insert comment about Gen Z feeling entitled to do whatever they want here. Uh, whoa, whoa, we are whoa, 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 whoa. YouTube streamers are not my age, we'll just say that. <laughs> we, I'm getting under fire here for no reason. You got to clean your generation up. I don't know what you guys are doing. But there are a bunch of cards that are interesting. There are people discussing it in our Discord. I, I won't uh, say that there isn't. We're not going to discuss it here. So we will discuss it when it comes out. I think the spoilers are officially starting in two weeks. We will go over them there. If you want to opt in yeah. to discussing the spoilers, that is great. On the Discord, people are talking about uh, cards. There's even a couple reprints new to Pioneer. One of them is one of my favorite cards of all time. Yeah, we're looking at some amazing cards, some beautiful reprints. Not only reprints for specific cards that are going to see a dumping value, but also cards resurfacing once again. Even our most beloved dragon might be getting a new card that we were discussing with David minutes ago. 
Yeah, so for right now, that's all we're going to say. There is a dump. We are aware of it. If you would like to educate yourself about it, there are many ways to do so online. If you'd like to talk about ideas for decks, that's already happening in our Discord. I'm, I'm sure it's happening elsewhere. So I leave that to uh, everyone and their lord and savior. Hmm. Um, right now, we are going to talk about the set that has been spoiled and we have gotten to play with the cards. So we just kind of have a survey here of cool tech we've seen across multiple formats. And it's just kind of a potpourri. So the first card I want to highlight is Ancient Imperiosaur. This is a card Dan kind of brought up right at the end of Spoiler. You know, the it's a 7 mana. 6-6, six, six, I think, is the base. And it gets 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters for every creature that Convoke to cast it. So in theory, if you can tap 7 creatures for 0 mana, you can get a 20-20 Trample, uh, I think, Ward 2. He just pointed out in, in classic Dan fashion, you know, this is sort of a best in class. You don't have to spend mana to get this. It does have ward, so at least it forces your opponent to spend some amount of mana to, to get it. It could even be more mana than you actually had to cast a play it. And I think this kind of captured the imagination of people, right? Um, at times, people tooled around with Thrasta in modern. I think they found it to be just a little bit, you know, more expensive than was, was good. Uh, here we have a 5-0 list from Aspiring Spike, friend of the podcast and uh, noted modern brewer, using Gleeful Dev Demolition and Kadoltha Rebirth as sort of eight replicative effects that make three bodies just by themselves. Then you have Hidden Herbalist and Burning Tree Emissary. Those are creatures that are functionally free the turn you play them. Then you have kind of Reckless Bushwhacker if you don't draw your Ancient Periosaur, then Reckless Bushwhacker as sort of a card that accelerates all these 1-1s. Uh, and then you have Memnite and an Ornithopter. So you basically just have a bunch of free creatures and then a bunch of cards that make one ones. You know, army in a can type of effects. And then you have Ancient Periosaur and Reckless Bushwhacker to uh, pump up those tokens into something uh, worth talking about. So in the same way we discussed the Rona Evolution to, uh, um, for the last week's episode, this deck has also been going through some rapid fast mutations. Right now, it's not only playing Chatterstorm, as I make to make more one ones, but I think they're also using like mana drugs and dryad armor. They're going super deep in the Pediasaur. Spike was also playing a, a deck with commune with dinosaurs, Chattersom, and this called um, free spells alongside Thrasta and ancient Pediasaur. Yeah, so Chatterstorm, tell us what that is, Nor uh, Mord, because th this is a card I was not really aware existed. <laughs> so it's a Modern Horizons 1 staple, 1 and a green, for a Storm card that the text literally is, make a 1-1 one, one squirrel. So Spike's deck does something like, turn 2, like turn 1 creature, turn 2, fetch land, burning tree emissary, hidden herbalist, stormy thopter, Chatterstorm, ancient imperiosaur, make a 20-20 say go. That's what the deck is trying to do. 2020 War 2 is borderline impossible for any deck to remove. And th what the deck does is, even if you remove the Imperius or it has 8 creatures on board, and it can just kick a Bushwalker to win the game. Yeah, so basically the only way to get rid of the Imperius or is to evoke a Solitude on turn 2, right? I mean, there's... If you're playing red-blue, for instance, yeah. you just don't actually have outs. So yeah, I faced this deck, and the way I won was I got out into the Imperiasaur, I went turn two land go. On the end step, I went like Solitude Ephemerate, Upkeep, Ephemerate on Solitude, use my two mana for the ward. And then the three two lifelinker just stole the board until I found an engineer explosives. But the deck is super fun, one of the funniest like weird decks I have found. And Spike playing commune with dinosaurs because he was playing eight top end dinosaurs in the form of Thrasta and Imperiosaur. <laughs> is some of the shankiest, funnest things I have seen in modern in a few years. Yeah, has science gone too far is kind of the question, right? Well, you're playing commune with dinosaurs to get your dinosaur yeah. top end. But yeah, super fun. All right, so staying with Aspiring Spike, uh, obviously he loves to brew, he loves getting his hands on the cards. He played a Jund Battles list that was trying to exploit Invasion of Alara. Now... We didn't talk about an evasion of Alara that much, even though it's a very valuable, uh, very value-oriented card. The the thing that really kind of sends it to the stratosphere is you can hit Vampire Hexmage as the free spell with invasion. Yes. And then you get the backside immediately. So you're spending five mana to basically draw a card that costs four or less, and then you get to do the whole backside all at once. And it's not like game winning but it is very powerful 
Yeah, I mean, it didn't win games. Also, it's worth noting, Invasion of Alara seems bugged on two sides. So both sides of the card are currently bugged. The bad side doesn't make a copy of a permanent. Yes, which is one of the more powerful abilities. So, help me with this, David. Because I'm not sure if it's back on the front side, but people are telling me it is. I'm going to read the card to you, and I'm going to ask you a question after that, okay? Okay. And you're going to try to help me see how we can work with that. <laughs> All right. So, when Invasion of Alara enters the battlefield, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile two non-land permanents with mana value for or less. That's the part we know. Yep. You may cast one of those two cards without paying its mana cost. Put one of them into your hand. Then, put the other exile cards this way on the bottom of your library in a random order. Does this mean, A, you exile up to two mana values for less cards and you get to cast one and get the other one? Or you get to grab any of the exiled cards? So, for example, I exile land, land, leyline binding, Brennan 6, failure guardian, land. I play for free the failure guardian. Do I get to put a land into my hand? No, I think that's a bug. I think that's a bug. All right, yeah, that's a, so that's how it's currently working. Oh, it's letting you grab a land? It's letting you grab any of the exile cards. Yeah. But not one that costs more than four. Yeah, yeah. You can grab Leyland Binding. Oh. You can grab any of the exile cards. So if you exile, like, three Leyland Bindings and a Murderous Cut, you could grab Murderous Cut. Yeah, I mean, again, the magic rules are kind of made up as they go along, but <laughs> the the... Implication of how this is phrased is it the same term that's modifying the card that is revealed is this, is modifying the card that can be selected and cast. Yeah, I agree. It's just so those are the two bugs for the card currently on MTCO. So expect at least a few bugs with it. So despite two bugs and looking hideous, the battles look terrible on Magic Online. Spike just missed a five zero with this list, so it's basically Rakdos scam, and he just stapled Vampire Hex Mage and twelve battles on top of it. So at least shows feasibility of playability, right? That's the main thing. Yeah. No, not only that. So there's two other invasions in this deck. We just talked about Invasion of Alara, the most showy, powerful, flashy one with attendance with seven battle counters. You know, the whole, the whole flambeau. But then you have two other invasions. First of all, the one that has seen play in a bunch of decks, even in Creativity, which is Invasion of Ergamon. What is Ergamon? I don't know. No one knows. No one shall know. <laughs> when it enters the battlefield, it makes a zero small fable trigger. You get to discard a card and draw a card, and you make a treasure token, which isn't irrelevant at all. No. So I saw a video of Doomway playing this, actually winning with creativity thanks to all the treasure systems making with this card. The flip side, completely irrelevant, is a 4-3 that when it enters, you may discard to go find a land or a battle. Not particularly showy or powerful at all. Well, it is kind of nice, though. That you're, it's another effect like Fable that prevents you from flooding out. Because exactly. if you have a bunch of lands in your hand, again, there's four men and six in this deck. Uh, is this the best card in modern? Some might say. Um, <laughs> you turn your random land that you just had in your hand and you go find your Invasion of Alara if you already have a Vampire Hex Mage in play, yeah. for instance. So. So, so yeah, the card has some promise. Making a treasure in modern, not only as mana fixing, but also as a creativity target really starts to add up. Yep. And then the other Invasion, which actually has heard, has been also been playing in Scam, a lot of people have been liking it, is Invasion of Askol. When it enters the battlefield, target player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker and they lose one life. And on the flip side, with four battle counters, I think it's a 2-1 that on the end step is something, when to the graveyard is turning, it gets a plus one, plus one counter on it. Yeah, counter. Sorry, and it also has menace. Yeah, very, very weak. Very weak backside. Actually, not quite, because a lot of the time, when you the turn you play this, you just attack the Fable, you, f you either fetch or you scan or something that turn, and this becomes a 3-2 menace that just grows every turn. That's the upside to your Edict effect. That's the issue. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, is that the, the front side being basically unplayable on rate, right? A 2-mana Edict that actually is a little better because you can kill a Planeswalker when that matters. Yeah is quite good, you know, or at least on the the upper end of playable. And then you can get this extra value out of it if you want uh, or not, right? You never have to attack it, but it's like the opposite of a Punisher mechanic. You exactly. can decide if it's worth it to attack or not or, or blow up with your Vampire Hex Mage or something. 
do I want to lose 4 damage to transform this? And a lot of the time the answer is yes. A lot of others getting flipped by a Brennan 6 minus after a swing. A lot of them. The uh, the thing to remember is the damage trigger, the one damage. That is so easy to forget in paper because you, you're really excited to edict away their, you know, mana elf or their Teferi or whatever. Um, remember that damage. It's it Magic Online will remember for yeah. you, but when you're doing your math to see if your opponent's dead and all that stuff, it's very important. And in decks like Scum, that really adds up. Yep. Like, I saw the, uh, Spike winning a deck by going double um, opponent on four life, dashing a Ragam, and I'm playing two of these to kill the opponent. Yeah. So it's like lines like that where you actually have lethal all of a sudden and you you don't think of your Edict as your damage source. As your point of damage. But yeah, three battles, all of them good. Vampire Hex Mage being a 2 mana 2 one that can guarantee you a 4-3, or in the case of Invasion of Alara, some insane triggers. Has been fun, at least as a concept. Also, Invasion of Alara, casting Grief for free is nice. And putting a Fury in your hand. Sorry, not a Fury, that's due to the bag, but a Fable. Alright, continuing in Modern, we have Dak Faden 07, and Dak has 5-0 playing Invasion of Tarkir in the uh, Tribal Flames Zoo Shell. So... One of the things that Lawson said when he was on with Dan is he likes the idea of kind of being able to play an invasion and just attack it down right away. And he mentions Zoo as a shell because you have Territorial Cabo, you have uh, Neshoba Brawler. You, in theory, could play like Invasion of Tarkir, kill a blocker from them. There's no, or there's four dragons in the stack. You're, you are playing Scion. So it's a two mana bolt with some luck. Yeah. A shock if not. So you could, you know, let's say in theory, like kill their their one three uh flyer and then immediately hit it with your uh Neshoba Brawler, and then all of a sudden you've got this dragon in play. The flip side of Invasion of Tarkir is surprisingly powerful. A four four flyer that whenever a dragon attacks, you shock any target has legs to stand on. Yeah, I don't think I don't think people realize that it was every dragon. I saw even Spike surprised by that. Um, we have a couple of cool shots here from Doomwake where he's copied the flipped trigger with um, his uh, fable and there are many a token or many a trigger uh, on the stack. So I, I feel too many t- shock triggers. Yeah. I'm not sure if this card is actually good or not, but if it is going to be good in modern, I think this is the home, right? You're already playing some dragon, so it's a little better. You have a bunch of 5-5s five on turn 3. Yeah. On turn 2, even. No, sorry, on turn 3. Turn 3, you have a bunch of swinging 5-5s five consistently. And then you have Stubborn Denial to protect your invasion creature, right? Like in yeah. Pioneer, Stubborn Denial is not really that playable. It's just going to die to push because I the flip creatures have mana cost of 0, right? No, no. But they don't count for, They don't count as pips, though. It's so... <laughs> this, this has been changed time and time again. Originally, it was 0. It was switched during the Delver era, and now it's front side, but with no devotion. So CMC 2, but no devotion of any kind. Okay. So yeah, super cool tech from uh, Dak Faden. I don't know uh, if the invasion is going to have legs or not. It is just another damage source, too. I mean, you can just... Doing through your opponent sometimes is exactly what you want, right? Between four bolts, four tribal flames, and four invasion, you're playing a lot of burn. I mean... The fact that you can transform your Tribal Flames into a 4-4 flyer as well, that isn't irrelevant, because it's literally 5, and then that you could just, on your end step, a line he discusses against decks where you need to be aggressive, is double-bolt the invasion on the end step, and it's the same amount of damage. You're still getting 6 damage when you swing. Yeah, that's the key. And then even, like, if you can put the dragon in play before you attack with your Scion, right, you get 2 damage back right away. Exactly. Yeah, Tribal Flame as a sorcery, get a 4-4 swing, get 2 damage, maybe kill a blocker or at least pressure face, making 7 with your Scion. A bunch of stuff that adds up as value. I really, really, really want to make the super bad decision of playing this in a, in a Changeling deck. Hmm, okay. Or just having a bunch of Changelings swing with the Invasion or just playing Invasion. Well, worth noting, Invasion can go face. Oh, yeah. So you could play this with four changing in your hands and be a two mana deal six to your opponent. Right, which is too much, really. <laughs> which is a lot of damage. I'm a bit sad that this doesn't count dragons in play. Yeah. For some godforsaken reason, as every other dragon card does. Even the counter checks if you have a dragon in play, but 
we can have it all. All right, on to Pioneer. We want to give a shout out to PT Bench at PT Bench at twitter.com. They built themselves a Jund battles list, I guess, uh, with three Ren and Realm Breaker. Really interesting build. So 24 land, four Lanoir Elves, four Thoughtseize, four Push. So sort of into the turn one ramp, but not all the way. Hmm. Still playing the interaction. The invasion of Ergamon, you mentioned. The invasion of Tarkir, yes. And then Bonecrusher Giant Fable. Three four-mana Shieldred, two five-mana Shieldred, a card Dan and I did not think was maybe going to be good enough. And then three Ren and Realm Breaker. And so you basically, Ren and Realm Breaker can find any of your creature threats, it can find Fable, it can find any of your eight invasions. That's some beautiful thing. I mean, to me, this just looks like a worse version of Red Black. Like, it, yeah. it, none of these battles is better than the 3-2 that makes a blood. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I do not believe that. I mean, Blood Tide Harvester is a surprisingly good card. But why... Do you really think it's just wars? Nothing to salvage? Well, the mana is really bad, so... Yeah, yeah, that's a main issue. Once you talk Pioneer... Adding the third color is tough, and then and then you still you want turn one green somewhere all the time because you are playing four Lanor Elves, and then you want turn two, I guess, green, green to play Realm Breaker, so... And then your four and five drops have double black, so I it's the Elf Realm Breaker package. I don't mind a, a light splash of green... Yeah, for Ergamon, like, I can see a small splash for Ergamon. I see that actually even makes the treasure to fix any issues you might have from it, alongside a Fable for fixing. The other thing I was thinking with uh, Ergamon is one of the things I was having problems with, what's that 5-4 do that puts a land from your graveyard into play, and then it, like, has all these abilities, like, discard a land, draw a card, discard a land? Um, bunch of dumb I'm going to say that in a second. Soul of Wind Race. Yeah, so I was having problems with that. This is the, one of the only plays in Pioneer that lets you play it a turn early. So you can play turn two invasion, discard a land, make a treasure. Play a third land, play that guy, and then get basically get a permanent treasure in play because you put the land back into play. So that'd be like more of a reason to be Jun to me is you get that like super sweet curve that was basically impossible before. Because <laughs> I was often playing... Unless I specifically played Fable on three, you don't have a natural place to actually put a land into your graveyard for the the Duder. So that's kind of, I thought that was kind of cool. Okay, yeah, that's at least a fun idea. Also, how the five mana Shieldred seems unplayable. Yeah, I, again, I, I we're uh, shouting out PT Bench here. We're not trying to knock any, anything. I just those, those no, just questions. No, we love Bench. We love Bench. We're just discussing the specifics. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know what... I mean, this deck is like all in on removal, right? So you have four Fiddle Push, the Tarkir, there's no dragon, so you're basically just hoping that the shock is actually good. Then you have the front side of Bone Crusher is also a shock. Uh, and then you have two Shieldreds, which are Edicts. And they're not playing the red-black uh, Edict, but they could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could be playing good Edicts. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was better than Shieldred, honestly. <laughs> what is the requirement for fleeing Shieldred? Eight cards in their graveyard and five mana? The five mana is that five mana and you can get removed in response. Is, yeah. It's a reason Nicole Bolas the Ravash or never saw any play. Yes. Supposing sacrifices a non-token creature or placewalker. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that new shield is any good. But I do like the concept if yes. we can stray away. Especially Invasion of Fergabon. I really, really hope some of these battles see play in, in any sort of format. I hope they just don't go down in history as a complete failure. Well, they can always make them better if they... They typically miss high early, so the fact that they aren't dominating is kind of interesting. They might be... Maybe this is on purpose, right? Like, maybe they are just trying the waters and slowly are going to escalate the power level. The fact this isn't a mechanic set to a plane and they can just start adding battles everywhere... Might lead to that. All right, so still talking about Invasion of Ergamon, we are moving to back to modern. This is a Through the Breach reanimator shell. Um, so you have four Titan, three Archon with your Bitter Reunion Fable of the Mirror Breaker package, 
two through the breach, four persist, and then Ergamon and Renin Six. So you just have a ton of smoothing, and then you're just hoping that one or both of these uh, big hitters gets the job done for you. What do you think about shells like this? I don't love them. I think the card is nice. I think it's creative, and it really helps you ramp into what you're planning to do, right? Like, as a plan B, the fact that you can actually, between Invasion of Ergamon and Fable, you can just ramp sometimes. Just have a turn four cast. And I love that as a plan B and as a looter. I'm just unsure if it's better than the, alter- than the alternatives. If it's just worse than something like Unmarked Grave, you know? Right. Like, is the treasure really that worth it? I guess it does move you towards the, like, through the breach plan. We have another pilot here who played a very similar shell, also to a 5-0. This is Togor's MTG, uh, and apparently they're a streamer. So, at Togor's TCG on Twitter.com. Check them out. From Togor's... Oh, yeah, Togor's. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're from Spain. Oh, Togor's, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, they actually went deep. They're actually playing Dryad. Yeah, three Dryad and then Valakid added. So, that's an interesting little tweak. No Fury. So if we're playing Dryad, I do prefer playing um, Ergamon because now you have something else for you to dig into besides payoffs that you're just wanting in your graveyard, right? If you just want payoffs in your graveyard, play something that tutors them into your graveyard. <laughs> and not just looting. Yeah. Oh yeah, deck looks nice. Uh, every one of these decks has had four run and six, by the way. <laughs> the only reason not to play run and six in modern is you are not playing either green or red. Right. If you're playing both, why not? Yeah. You're playing Facelancer in Modern. Makes sense. So, skipping from Modern before David gets completely, completely and utterly lost in hating Brennan 6. The, 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 the hate flows through him towards the Planeswalker. <laughs> what do we have in Pioneer? I heard there was some beautiful spice involving Atraxa. Yeah, this is a very cool Jeskai um, transmogrify list built by Will Urker, who we are big fans of here. Uh, he is playing the Volcanic Spite as a cool new card to put his big boomers back in the deck. And he has a two of Invasion of New Phyrexia. So this is a card that makes a bunch of creatures, so it works with your transmogrify plan. And he uh, really credits it here in helping him beat Rakdos. And Rakdos has typically been the uh, scourge of decks like this, right? You have all this removal, so they can't really transmogrify. You have all this hand disruption. It's really hard to beat them. Uh, I'm sure just making like three or four two twos is probably just good enough. I mean, yeah, this deck consistently reaches five, six mana. And five mana, three two twos? It doesn't sound insane until you actually do it and actually fighting for the board now alongside a removal spell. Yeah, and there's even a couple of uh, wedding announcements in here so those creatures can get bigger. Yeah, I do love the, the addition of Bootables getting replaced by Mirex. So yeah, that's super cool tech. Um... Mirex, due to dubbing for any color of planet transit case to play, has been replacing Bootables in a lot of shells. And they are all insisting that Sheganta is a must play. Yes. Yep. And so she- Invasion as a white-blue X is Giganta legal. There's even a three, four mana Nahiri, which we do not see a lot of in the format anymore. Um, super cool card. This they can actually get how many cards with Atraxa? Enchantment, Instant, Sorcery, Creature, Planeswalker, Battle, Land. You can get seven cards with Atraxa. A whole new grip. Yeah, er- 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 everything but Artifact. Artifact and, and Tribal. Oh, yeah. Technically, Atraxa says Tribal even if it was replaced by Battle. Right. All right, and then staying in Pioneer, we have a couple of mono green 5-0s. So this one is from DFW, at DFW underscore MTG. Uh, this is a mono green shell. So one of the things I said in our preview week was that Pelucranos is an awesome card in mono green and I think they're going to start playing a lot of it um we're calling at home yeah exactly so we have the list I just mentioned DFW we have Holly Macaroni Holly Macaroni uh 01 perfect 5010 
uh, they say, with mono green, no wolf willow devotion. So they cut the wolf willows. Holly Macaroni even cut a Oath of Nyssa, which seems crazy to me. They're playing four Pelucranos, three Tribute to the World Tree, and a one of Vorinclax. Both 5-0 lists are playing Tribute to the World Tree. Yes. So maybe that card was the real source. For anybody, I'm going to reread that card. It's a bit special. I think it went a bit under the radar during previews. Tribute to the World Tree, three mana. Of course, we're playing it in Monarch Green Devotion, so green, green, green enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card if its power is 3 or greater, otherwise put 2 counters on it. Worth noting, this sort of effect stacks, so if you have 2 tributes every time you're playing a Lana War Elves, every time you're playing a Dork, it becomes a 3-3 that draws a card. Yeah, so the key thing is they're both playing 4 Pelucranos, they're playing 3 tributes, um, and they, they all cut the 2-mana uh, ramp, which is really surprising to me. DFW even cut two Karns. Yeah, down to two Karns even. That is really surprising me. Now, I am certainly not a mono green expert. I played a lot, against it a lot, and I beat it a lot. I feel like Karns were one of the better cards, but that might just be the decks that I play. Um, but yeah, Tribute is another sort of Kiora-like effect. It also makes your Elves threats. And then, obviously, it, it increases your Nut Draws with Nykthos, like you said. Pelucranos, though, I think is the real star. It... Um, is a mana yeah. sink itself. It it helps you gain life all of a sudden. It's quite chunky. And then it then it's also very good against spirits, which was a matchup that Mono Green really struggled with. So three mana four five reach is some of the biggest stat wise creatures we have seen in literally Magic's history. I think like in mana efficiency. I don't remember anything like that. It has borderline all Polukranos sta um, stats while having one less mana. That's insane. Yeah, so maybe this is the new shit. I, I There's a super awesome screenshot from Holly Macaroni where their board is just full of 3-3. Uh, <laughs> <three, three. laughs> what, so what are we playing? 3-3s. Three, <laughs> yeah, Phyrexian Hydra token, Phyrexian Hydra token, Phyrexian Hydra token. Four of them alongside, and the transport grade five one just being there. And it's crazy because they they're beating a flipped... I was about to say exactly that. Look at the graveyard. Three Dendrics and an Elishnorn. They're literally beating a flip Elishnorn, which should be game by most instances. That should be game. It's it's stunning. Like, obviously, the uh, Legends deck that they're playing, it's a, must not have interacted with them very much. But, yeah, it's just this game is not even close. It's it's wild how <laughs> not close it is. And this is turn nine. This yeah. one's long. It's not like they just had an outro. Yeah. Arian, nice to see that. And Polucranos, I'm happy to see it seeing play. I'm, I I proposed that when it got spoiled, it got a lot of backlash from people, and I'm happy to be right. So the Holly Macaroni mentions that the legend rule is beyond broken. So the way that Polucranos is worded is... Polucranos has text that people kind of forget about, which is the backside says... Whenever it or another non-token yeah. hider you control dies, create a green and green. So if you flip a single Pelucranos, you're going to get four tokens. Yeah, because you can play Pelucranos Reborn, play another one into that to legend rule it, and you just get a bunch more Pelucranoses, and those are three power creatures for your world tree. So not quite. So you have to play a Pelucranos Reborn, yeah. flip it. Flip it. Play another Polucranos Reborn and then flip that one. Yes. And there, once you flip the second one, it will die you to Legend Rule as finally they have the same name. And there, you're going to see a bunch of Hydras die. Are there any other playable Hydras? I would love them to be any other playable Hydras. I know uh, Dan and Lawson were just naming random Hydras that have like X power, so you could just play them for a green and they'd immediately go to your graveyard <laughs> with zero power. Uh, so there are a couple that do that. That's when you get too lost in the sauce. Yeah. I was looking for playable Hydras and they come at me with that. No, you can play Miscar Hydra for one and make two three threes. Meanwhile, I was thinking about Grakmo. Isn't there a fighting Hydra? Like it's it's X and green green and then it like either fights yeah, or Yeah, the Aberrations Hydra. The yeah. good one. And then there's a one one that gets a plus one plus one whenever your opponent oh, casts a spell. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a three mana one. The commander one. And it's trample, yeah. There's a bunch of Hydras. Then you have the ones with Morph. Then you have Progenitus. Oh, Lair of the Hydra is a Hydra. Oh, so you can kill that whenever you want at instant speed. No, no. 
Until end of turn, Lair of the Hydra becomes an X Ace Green Hydra creature. It's still a land. X can't be zero. Oh, can't be zero. They, they were smart about this. They, they, they saw this one, they, they saw they this saw one this coming. Going. So anyway, you asked what happened to Mono Green. It looks like it's doing very well. Uh, both of these people trophied already, and Holly Macaroni did not lose a game, right? 5-0-10-0. Now, looks like they're playing against some interesting decks. We don't know yet what how this is all going to match up. I like Holly Macaroni's list a little more, if I'm being honest, because there's four Karns there. There's also the one of spicy new boring legs. Yeah, I, I, that doesn't matter. Um, but I think I think Karn becomes a lot more relevant if Rona is a deck because you need to be able to find your cyborg cards and you yeah. need Karn to stop, shut off the artifacts. I mean, Karn just beats the deck by itself. It doesn't quite shut down the Mox Amber because once you play Ruction Helix, you start by bouncing Karn. Sure, that's just the Retraction Helix way. But yeah, it finds your sideboard, which is probably like Piling Needle, right? Which is a card that has a lot of uses, not just against. Oh yeah. Pacing Needle being great. All right. And then there was a deck by Will uh, Kowalch uh, at PugFaceMTG on Twitter. First trophy of the season with Enigmatic Fires. Invasion of Alara, they said, was only cast once, but won the game immediately. And they are giving a big shout out to the new four mana Heliod as a huge upgrade. Now, okay, you only add one, but of course, Enigmatic Incarnation. Yeah, one-off in Enigmatic, it's not exactly. quite a one-off. So you get to see it whenever you want. It, at minimum, can find the enchantment you sacked to tutor for it. And then it uh, flips. Uh, it does all kinds of stuff. So that's super cool that there's like a home as just a one-off. Yeah, also Invasion of Alara here as a one-off that you can't even get, just as a spicy one. I'm sure it's just a flavor play, but Hilliard is actually relevant. Fable for Hilliard is something that they have seen happening already. Yeah, oh, definitely. And it can get back any other enchantment from your graveyard, right? If you had lost an Enigmatic Incarnation yeah, yeah. earlier to a Thoughtseize, it can get that back. A lot of the time, it wasn't even getting back the Fable. They already got the value of Fable, like, step one and two. Yeah. And they were just, like, sometimes getting a Chain to the Rocks, or sometimes even an Enigmatic, or, like, a Fires of Invention to keep going. Right. So yeah, super cool card. Obviously, another coming to play effect is great in your Urian deck, uh, your Elish Norn deck. <laughs> Always. And what else do we have? I think that might be it. Is there any other technology you've seen in your uh, leagues that you want to shout out? So for modern, besides Battle and Spice, there hasn't been a lot of I haven't seen anything shining specially. I have seen a lot of battles. I have been facing a lot of that. I don't remember if I have seen any new archetype form. I stole the Chromehost Seed, Chrome Seed Shark Spice from someone. Oh, I have been playing a bunch of Night Errant of Eos because I love the cards. He tried to find a shell. There's a mono white shell by Spike as well that's quite decent. Night Errant of Eos is the 5 mana 4 4 with Convoke. Mm hmm. And then Fairy Mastermind has been seeing a lot of play in Pioneer Rogue. Yeah, that's a good point. That's It's really good. It seems to be a surprisingly good addition. Um, there was also some spicy list playing the new Draw 2 with Convoke, the blue one. That card, I think it's going to see a lot more plays someday, the 4 common instant one. Yes. 4 mana instant common. And Invasion of Segovia, if we ever find a way to consistently flip it, the card is insane. Giving every single spell, non, non-creature spell Convoke is ridiculous. Alongside a 3-3 three, three and 2-1 one ones. Invasion of Ficoria has been seen play as a 4-mana 8-8. Eight, eight. I think our good friend Shaky Torbor um, uploaded a pick or was it Vomad Courier where they just opponent tap down and they went Invasion of Ficoria get X equal 2, Invasion of Ficoria 2 draws for a non-human of cost X and they just got the Vampire to flip the saga, the battle and get an 8-8. Eight, eight. That can't be blocked. Okay. To just be work tired. And the other invasion that it has in some slight play, but I'm not sure if enough is the invasion of Ixal and the one that looks at five cards. The other new modern staple, which is just gonna be a staple, is Search of Salvation, has mm. taken the place of Laxbit Skill in Modern Hammer, as it prevents the Force of Vigor to, from doing anything to you instead of only saving one permanent. Just nullifying Force of Vigor and Fury is insane. 
Besides that, the other legendary is not quite. I have yet to see Hidetsugu and Katie or any of the fun combos in clay. I have yet to face them at least. And not much else. There ha but there has been some waves, and I hope they keep appearing. Moment of Truth as a country is decent. At least interesting. The mono blue bad expressive iteration. And I'm hoping for an M. Hayashi mono red pile <laughs> with eight copies of, with four runs resolved and four of the other. Just going deep on X and Chu. But yeah, that's it for modern. I mean, how much can you expect, right? It's a standard set and we got like eight new cards. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll have to see which ones have some staying power in the format. And uh, yeah, obviously people continue to iterate. If people are curious about Rona, we talked about it in our last oh, yeah. episode. There are a bunch of people playing Rona, a bunch of people iterating aiding on Rona and having a ton of success. And we're kind of waiting to hear what kind of results um, they had in the challenges this weekend. It'll be interesting to see if it is a uh, full-on Rona fest. Oh yeah, and before we move on to our next segment, there's two things I forgot to mention. First of all... The new also this has made current scales quite a big. The thing is, it's not seeing as much play as it should as Sabas. It has been banned in MTCO due to the fact that if you played as Sabas, it restarted the game. Mm. So they're playing. You have to play inferior cards, and that sucks. But the new also is working as a five to seven copies of current scales that has not only cycling due to legendary, but also being an artifact and the fact you can pay two mana to put a counter. And Chimera to pay the counter sounds really bad, but then you remember you have a Harden Scales and also this and a Walking Ballista in play. And putting three counters for two mana on a Walking Ballista every turn, it's just game winning. Yeah, Dan and Lawson were not very impressed by that card. I thought it was going to be quite good, uh, so... So, Harden Scales has seen a bit of a rhythm, and I'm sure they have announced Sabas that's going to be fixed around the time this episode gets released. So by that time, I hope to see some changes. And finally, there was a main build with Pyre of Heroes and Phyrexians a few months ago that someone played as a, as a nation decklist. And with all, all these new Phyrexians, I just want to retry that deck. Yeah, a lot of cool cards there. Pyre of Heroes, Phyrexians, sounds yes. fun. So yeah, that's it for cards, I think, are going to just swap the formats. If they're going to fix the boss, they need to fix Harness Lightning too. That reset also restarts the game. But who plays Harness Lightning? Me, yeah. Why? <laughs> lost in a whole freaking league because of that. Why are you on Harness Lighting? I was playing with that uh, five-minute enchantment that whenever you put a counter on a player... Oh, it will be one, okay. Yeah, and it was awesome there. Like, it, it was straight up like... Yeah, it's two mana six damage. Yeah, spread however you want, basically. And then it also can leave like an energy on you. So when you have proliferate effects, it's just like another oh, thing that nice. goes up. Yeah. The other card that has already seen play and I have just seen is the one we assume was and it's slowly appearing. It's the Kenra Spellship Spear. The two mana choo choo trample prowess that flips for three. Yeah, I played against that in mono red. It, I mean, I fatal pushed it, so it, that doesn't make the card good or bad. It just died like all the rest. So they're playing it in modern due to the fact that if you get to flip it and your opponent just tries to remove it and you can protect it somehow, you're just going to win on the back swing. Double prowess plus trample is just insane. Yeah. How much mana does it cost to flip? Only three. Sorry, yeah. three and a Phyrex and blue. Yeah, that's but that's yeah, pretty three. that's pretty manageable. Yeah, yeah. If it was like four or five, that's insanity. But it being only three, like you play it and it survives an extra, you just flip it, swing, and you go like Lavalar um, the second side of, La of Lavalar and Mutashenic Growth, and all of a sudden you're hitting for ten damage. It's seven from the creature plus two from the from the growth and one from the Lavalar. Turn three hit you for ten with only one creature and two spells. Yeah, that seems pretty good. Have you seen any Sorin Angalta yet? No, I I know people have played it. I know uh, Saffron Olive played it, and I think historic. Um, so it's a thing people can do. I I don't know that people have decided on the best list yet. <clears throat> yeah, I haven't seen much of it, and I hope it someday pops up. I think Dylan MDC was trying to was going all in on it, like a lot of ways to find it, playing four of the new battle that looks at five and four. Border Weatherlight, I think it's the name of the blue, of the white cantrip. Yeah. Just trying to go deep on Sonic on turn three on Pioneer. Yeah, you also have Oath, which finds the Planeswalker, or so. I think you, I think you can just make the deck black-green, just don't even worry about having white in your deck. Yeah. The white vampires aren't really worth their salt. No, they weren't, but I think he was splashing mostly for the cantrip. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. Hmm. 
So with that being said, we can I think we can move on. Are we missing something? No, I think that's everything. So what we want to highlight is a Pioneer Splinter Twin list by First Turn Negator. So this is a collaboration between First Turn Negator and Lurking Evil. These are two very, very uh, active brewers in our Discord. And they even put together a little write-up, which is going to be in our notes for the people who get this. Uh, it's a pretty extensive PDF walking them, uh, walking through the matchups. This is an interaction I think Dan highlighted at first. Um, and I proposed a deck when the card was first spoiled. So the interaction is between Fraying Sanity and Teresian Mindbreaker. So Fraying Sanity, three-man yeah. enchantment curse. You enchant at your opponent. At the beginning of each end step, Enchanted Player puts the top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard, where X is the number of cards put in the graveyard from your this turn. And then Teresian Mindbreaker is a 7-mana 6-4 that says when it attacks, Defending Player mills half their library rounded up, but it unearths for one blue-blue-blue. So in theory, you could Frank Sanity on turn 3. You could, let's say you looted it somehow earlier, you hmm. could... Unearth Teresian Mindbreaker on turn four, attack your opponent. That actually kills them. That that mills them out. So yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool uh effects, pretty cool options there. I uh am not a hundred percent convinced that it's like doable. They they compare it to Splinter Twin because it's a three mana, four mana play. The problem is you have to find a way to put the Teresian Mindbreaker in the graveyard, which is not a mm. trivial thing to do. So the deck that they propose here has the Black Interaction, for Push, for Thoughtseize. It has some looting effects, so four Charter Course, two Oracle of Tragedy, new card. So it's one in blue for a 1-3. I actually quite like that card. Yeah, when it enters the battlefield or dies, choose one. You can draw a card, loot a card. Excuse me, draw a card, discard a card. We call that looting. Or you can shuffle up to four target cards with mana value three or greater from your graveyard into your library. They have a one of Traumatize, which works the same with Freeing Sanity. Uh, four treasure crews, and then they have three uh, Falaji archaeologist, which mills the top three cards from the top of your deck, and then you can put a non-creature, non-land into your hand. Um, or no, you can put lands, right? No, no. Yeah, it's no, it's non-creature, not land. I think I think that's how they balance it. No, if if you could put lands, that card would be insane. Yeah. So it's not creature non like it's Ogre of Volas, but better. Because if you miss, it's a 1-4. Yes. It's a 1-4 once you hit three lands. That's the, that's the thing. Got it. And at least you mill them. So you have some milling with the Scissor Supplier and the Archaeologist. You have uh, Diabolic Intent as like a, a two of here to help tutor up the pieces. And then everything else is either interaction or the combo. So they also have like a matchup spread. They let's see here. They have played against red black seven times or four three, struggling against mono green. That that's true for a lot of these exit dirt a little bit. Uh they've beaten creativity five one and struggling against Grease Fang and okay against control and Lotus Field. So the question always is: what do you want your looting effects to be? Now they are playing chart of course. Which works well if you're off the combo plan, like you can play Stitcher Supplier turn one attack when the Charter Course is just a two mana draw two. I kind of like the two mana, the Demir draw two, discard one if you don't have seven or more different casting Five. costs or whatever. Yeah. Um, Tinted Indulgence, I think yeah. it's the name. I really like that card and it's an instant. Yeah, the instant part is interesting to me. I think you're just really vulnerable to sorcery speed graveyard removal here, which. You know, other decks are not. Because you don't have an instant way to, like, put Mindbreaker into your graveyard at the end of their turn. I think the indulgence sounds a lot better. I can see how it could be annoying, like, in the super late game. If you accidentally draw two, but you have one, two, three, five, eight, and seven CMCs plus lands. You have seven CMCs. Making it be a draw two consistently for the fair plan actually looks great. Yeah, I mean, you're playing a lot of creatures to kind of support this Diabolic Intent plan, and I wonder if you need to do that. I wonder if you could just play, like, four considers, replace the Citrus Suppliers, and, you know, maybe just play four Archaeologists, and not play the Traumatizer, or the Oracles, or the Intents, and just play a little bit more, uh, like, Search. 
The other card I could see in play, I think you have been re recommended is um, First Negator is Evangel of Synthesis, at least if you are playing these sort of effects. Yes. I think it's better than Oracle of Tragedy, even if it doesn't look twice, it's having a much better body might be relevant for any single game where you need a plan B. Yeah, and the other thing I would point out is you have this Treasure Cruises here, but you're a combo deck, and we talked about this uh, when we were talking about the Rona Shells. If you're playing a combo deck in general, my instinct is to play Dig Through Time instead of Treasure Cruise. Completely agree. These cards are not very similar, right? Fatal Push is not like Thoughtseize. Fraying Sanity and Treasian Mindbreaker are very unique effects in your deck. So I wonder if uh, you want to play Dig. And the other thing I worry about is you're playing... Your combo involves Treasian Mindbreaker coming out of the graveyard, and then you're playing four Delve cards. So I think you really want to be able to transform out of needing your graveyard for your full combo and your fair plan. Um, like, both of those things relying on your graveyard is a little tough after sideboard. Your grand plan relying on that, your treasure cruise, and your combo relying on that because you're never hardcasting a Treasian Mildbreaker, because if you do, it's not going to have a haste even. Seems like a lot. I actually faced this deck back in the past, like a few, lot of months ago. Yeah, the, the one thing that's interesting here is a lot of people have abandoned graveyard hate for the most part against Grease Fang, and instead they're relying on removal to kill it, right? There, there's red, any deck that's playing red has got the uncounterable do four damage. And that kind of deck is going to get eaten up by this because that does, you can kill my Phalagi Archaeologist with your cyborg card, but you do not actually stop Mindbreaker. The huge advantage this has over Chris Fang is exactly that, not being dead to creature removal. Yeah, the amount of creature removal that can hit Mindbreaker instant speed is basically just a power word kill. Yeah. And that, that's about it in the whole format. Yeah, yeah. It's not easy to kill a 7-drop. <laughs> not in Pioneer, not an instant speed, not before it gets an attack trigger even. Yeah, so I guess my instinct, and, and maybe it's wrong, I've not played it, so if uh, the, the two gentlemen who are working on this don't like this, uh, you know, that's fine. Hmm. I would try to make this more of a control deck that just has these eight cards in it. That's, that's how the one I was facing was. A control deck with Tainted Indulgence yeah. alongside, I think it had another looting effect whose name I can't remember, but played four Thoughtsies, four Push, and four power word quill, four tainted indulgences, four um what's the name of the one of the counter that's two um I think it has two of the Huari Clonfluence, two or three um this the one that cycles. I can't remember the one that cycles. Oh yeah, I won't think of it either. Or a sensor, are you talking about the three sensor. mana? Sensor. No no sensor, yeah. sensor. And then on the three mana they had decent counter spells. But yeah, it played like a control shell. That whenever I was a bit low on resources, would play a frame sanity in the mid game, and to close the game, they would eventually find a mind breaker in the graveyard and put it there via anyway, via looter. Maybe the archaeologist is actually amazing because in a control cell, a two mana 03 that draws me a card and puts a combo piece in the graveyard is insane. Yeah, I like the archaeologist quite a bit. I, I'm I'm not as sold on like the oracle diabolic intent citrus supplier. Part of the shell. Yeah, and and again, charter course, I think is like Diabolic Intent, where if you're going to play these cheap creatures, then this becomes a little more attractive, but if you move away from them, then there's better cards to replace them with. Yeah, I think going the control shell might be the way. It's just, like, you know, the sort of Narset Days and doing thing they are doing, but instead these. They also had a Scanta, which was great for them to actually put stuff in the graveyard. Oh, yeah, we got to get a Scanta going. That That is an awesome call. So that was what they were playing, that they had that shell... I remember I was playing some sort of midrange shell and I got lucky with my cyborg hate, but I was about to get crushed by it. It also allows you to have a fair plan because you can just take out the... Co if you're expecting a lot of rare hate, you just take out the combo, bring in some placewalkers, or s and that's it. Yeah, right, exactly. Worst case scenario, you're still playing the 4-4, the, the which kind of sucks, but at least you're getting rid of Frank's sanity. Yeah, you could play like a couple Shark Typhoons as like your sideboard plan against control anyway. Yeah. Like I, I just think it gives you a little bit more flexibility. Exactly. Because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of sorcery speed graveyard hate cards coming on a sideboard, right? So Shakespeare's Prodigy was brilliant in the deck as well. Not only because it worked on both sides, looting the combo piece you need while also being able to be a threat on the control game. 
Yeah, or 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 even like if you don't want to play Jace main deck, you could put you could get rid of all your creatures. They'll take out all the removal, and then like uh, Nasif also does this. He brings in like two Jace friends Prodigy out of board. Yeah. So they take out the removal because removal doesn't really kill Teresian Mindbreaker, right? <laughs> now you're playing Jace, right? And Jace is getting back your Thoughtseize. It's getting back your Fatal Push. It's it's dominating the board. Um, so it's just some ideas. I've not played with this deck. It sounds like they've logged a bunch of games, but you know. If you want to convince someone to play Citrus Supplier, Dan Schreiber is your man. He's always telling me to add it to random decks. Um, but I, I, I like, I think we're both kind of leaning towards maybe a more controlling game plan that just has this as an out. Yeah. I would also, okay, here's, here's just, let's get wild here. You could play Stern Lesson. The Power Stone helps pay for Tracy and Mindbreaker on Earth. It also puts it in the graveyard. It also can cast it for seven in theory. You could play like a couple of um the blue gear hulk and then you could play like two dig through time instead of four treasure cruise and then the power stone also helps you cast your telerian gear hulk <laughs> as well so then you have this like combo thing but you can also just hard cast tracy and mindbreaker right if you cast a couple certain lessons it just like double ramps you yeah the problem with casting mindbreaker is it's a six four without haste like you really need to unearth the mindbreaker for it to be good but i'm saying you actually get a pure like you play it they have to kill it Okay, and then and then you get unearth it. So you then you get like two bites at the apple. They have to have removal for the six four, and they have to have a, a yeah graveyard hate. So what if maybe this is going insane? We take out the four mind breakers, maybe leave one or two. We play this demon control shell with four frame sanity and four traumatize. So he says something like traumatizes. You have to get lucky to win. So maybe I don't understand how the interaction works. No, no, because it's if opponent has forty three cards, traumatize wills. Um, traumatized mills rounds down and mindbreaker rounds up. Oh, I see. So if one of these at forty three, that's that's gonna be twenty one, twenty one, and nobody's gonna have one card left. So they have a turn to kill you. They have literally one turn. They have that turn and nothing else. Then then they're gonna die. Yeah, maybe that's the way to go. Cause five is not that much more than four. Especially less if you're going for a full-on combo deck, and that stops you from needing ways to consistently alter your graveyard. You can just play a full-on control shell, and even you can leave one or two Tolerian mines. Yeah, you can play for tainted indulgence, and you can play two or three Ascandas. You can have ways to put it in your graveyard, and you can play two or three copies for the games where you gotta win on turn four, like Lotus Field, right? Right. So I don't think that's insane. All right. So some ideas. I don't. Know. <laughs> Maybe all of them bad, but just stuff to think about. Yeah, I if I had to go for a for a more important what what I would do for my next step is I would transform this into a much more concentrated Dimir control shell with four tinted indulgence. Maybe keep one or two characters, play four um, archaeologists, maybe two of the new of this ogre of the new one. So you have. Six, seven ways to discard a card from your hand, four ways to mill cards from your deck alongside the combo and much more interaction. Maybe even take out, you can, so being in a more control shell will allow you to take out the four stitcher suppliers, the two diabolic intent, you trim the characters for the tainted indulgence and you have six slots for interaction in the form of three removals, two removals for counter spells, for example. And that's going to allow you to play a fairer shell. Yeah. And then, like I said, we would lean more towards Dig then. Once you're playing instant cards, you get a lot more value out of Dig. Yeah. Um, and then may- maybe like two or three Dig and no Treasure Cruise. And then one more Interactive Spell or like a couple of Considers. Yeah. Three Treasure Cruises. And or also the Oracle of Treasury. While I might not love the card, you're playing three. And between four Archaeologists and three Oracles, you're really stocking your graveyard for three um, Dig Through Times. Like, Oracle of Tragedy puts three cards in the graveyard on its way out, and Archaeologist puts four. While also being a two-for-ones on the contrary of Sister Supplier. Yeah. So yeah, there you have it. Just some just some ideas that we have. Um, good luck to both Lurking Evil and First Turn Negator. We hope to see you guys keep iterating on this, keep sharing in the Discord. Uh, if you have uh, any breakthroughs or whatever, just, yeah, let us know. Keep us posted. Yeah. So thanks so much. Do we have anything else for us today? I think that's it. So I think Mom has had a big impact on Pioneer. I think it has, for a standard set, had a big impact on Modern. I think we'll see people keep experimenting in the uh, weeks ahead. 
In Modern had a bit bigger than I expected. There hasn't been like a new combo huge deck besides, well, the new squirrel dinosaur deck lists we were discussing. <laughs> but besides that, yeah, some fun new additions. And I think Dark Faden in particular is having the time of his life ruined. Right now, I just entered the Discord and I see the new Hasoletz in place just putting Resilvance into play. There's clearly a new toy every single day, yeah, so I'm happy with exactly. that. I'm looking forward for a new set. Excellent. Well, until then, I will bid you farewell. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a nice night. Bye-bye.